head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 204 of the world's best MMA podcast, the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and joining me today, like every week, is the Zion Williamson of Irish MMA media. And this is your yearly man flu episode of the Severe MMA podcast as I'm half dying here. But I'm, I'm almost through it anyway, so I'm not too bad. Uh, how are you anyway, Graham? You're one, of these, you're one of these men who give men a bad name for moaning about things. You get a bit of a sniffle and your man flu this, man. Can't get out of bed. Fucking milking it. Milking it. Uh, what? How? I'm here doing a fucking podcast. Five times a year, you're like fucking oh, man flu, man flu. You say that like <laughs> I, I, well, I'm, I, I usually get it once a year, but odd, odd, the odd time twice <laughs> a year. No, I get it. Um, I get it around like when the weather changes a bit. See, it's getting a bit hotter now, so I get a touch of the old man flu, and it's fucking, it's debilitating. It's a really Nothing a debilitating but a disease. Nothing but a snowflake. How dare you? I'm the, the toughest man alive. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm a pure animal altogether, but anyway. Typical Limerickman. Actually, Limerick are playing Dublin here in about an hour in the Lee Hurland semi-finals. Are you dying oh, excited? Hurland? Yeah, Hurland, yeah. Uh, like at hockey, though, Dublin. Yeah, well, you wouldn't know to be Tipperary last time out, so it could be, it could be close. There you go. I have no idea, really, but I, yeah. I just, Ireland, or not Ireland, Dublin aren't very good at it. <laughs> well, Dublin, Ireland, you know, same thing. How dare you. Anyway, before we get into the podcast, let me give a shout out to some of our new our new Patreon subscribers, uh, Justin Chong Lee, Drew Satterfield, Amy Connor Stewart, uh, Philly Byrne, uh, Kean, Luke Nicholson, James Cleary, uh, James, Mark, uh, and a few more as well. Thanks, everybody, for signing up. If you want to sign up, like all those people, patreon.com forward slash severe med podcast. We loads of stuff up this week. So it'll probably be a, a good time to sign up. And I have a, a good guest as well coming on Tuesday. I don't want to say who it is yet in case uh, I die of the man flu and can't get him on. So uh, there is that. Anyway. Um, also with guests as well you never know you have the, yeah, the person until I, you actually have the person with, with this guest though I'm actually pretty sure that he will come on because he's like said he'd come on like three times after I've asked him because I'm very bad at making sure <laughs> so most guys will be like oh yeah sure I'll see you yeah it'll either be like uh, Tuesday evening or like Friday morning I'll be able to so I'll, I'll see you one of those times I'm like oh yeah I can't him Tuesday evening uh, let's make it Saturday and okay oh yeah no bother but uh, yeah this, this, one, this fella seems uh Seems like he actually will come on, but this so there you go anyway. But anyway, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, my boy, against the Anthony. Wonder Boy, as he was called, like <laughs> Cormier. What do you call him? What do you call him? The Wonder, the Wonder Boy. The Wonder Boy. The Wonder Boy. I like that actually. It's a li- little bit better. This like. I tweeted during the fight that this is the real Wonderboy, and then people were obviously tweeting afterwards like, "Oh, I delete this now." Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the real Wonderboy though for that that first couple of rounds almost. He was like he was fighting like he's... fake Wonderboy. <laughs> yeah, flattered. Yeah. Oh god, hashtag North Korea. But he was he was fighting like himself. He was throwing straight down the middle, throwing that lovely jab right down the middle, hitting him with with high kicks he was blocking everything Pettis was throwing apart from the, the body kicks which if you w- w- listen to the rewatch last week 
that's the kind of the one shot I was kind of picking out for Pettis uh, that he could hit him with was was those body shots, and he did it very well in the first round, but in the second round in, they kind of fell away. But it was just, I suppose, before we get to the knockout and stuff like that, this fight was, it was going, it's kind of almost exactly as I thought, except Wonderboy was maybe fighting better and doing better and more dominant than I thought. How, how did you see it, and was it kind of going how you thought it was going to go? Um, yeah, pretty much. I think I think the range was always going to be uh, an, a big advantage for Wonderboy, and he tried to use that as he always he always fights long yeah. um, and evasive. And I think Pettis was they talked about in the commentary he was doing well to to return kicks and to just uh, kind of not let Wonderboy settle in fully, even though Wonderboy was being more aggressive than usual or not than usual than than in recent fights. Uh, it's obviously. Um, it's obviously cost him in the end, but <laughs> he had the round in the bag and he's still pressing forward with, with a few seconds to go. But uh, I, I, I don't know. Wonderboy, it just seems like it seems like he doesn't really care that much when he loses compared to other fighters. Maybe he's just such a nice guy that he takes it on the chin, but maybe maybe it's it's a lack of like a lack of. I don't know, killer instinct or something, or, or I don't know what it is. Is it something lacking there that I think he has all the talent to be like the the top guy in the division, to be the best in the world? But there's something missing there in terms of I don't know. He's just too lax in some fights, and then in this fight, obviously you can get caught. Anybody can get caught. And Pettis is a very good striker. Everybody knows that. But it's it's kind of it looks like maybe now Stephen Thompson won't ever make it to the top, to the very top, like he like he should have. You're trying to make me cry here. Is that what you're trying to do? I've died the flu. Fucks. You, and now you know what I mean, though? There's all the technical abilities, but it's just something's missing in the, the mentality or in something, in, yeah. in game planning or in something. Something's missing. It's it's funny, like, because I don't think this is the fight to actually say that. Yeah, I, think he got caught. Yeah. I think he got caught here, but... I do agree with you, though. Like, there's there's always a bit of the devil in, in lads, you know, who are, who are the best in the world, whether it's, you know, McGregor or whether it's John Jones or... Or Anderson Silva, or whatever you know, like even GSP with the the whole Greece and things. You're always saying and all. Like I could never ever imagine Wonderboy doing that or holding a towel to make weight no. or holding it. It doesn't mean that much to him. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's I don't know if maybe... it's that either. He's just a. He is like okay. People always say I'm a martial artist. He's a proper martial artist. Like you know, he's too nice. I think that's his is. problem. He's actually just too nice. That's his problem. I yeah, think. and I think another problem of his is that he said last night that was his first knockout in 80 fights and when you say you've 80 fights and i know a lot of them are kickboxing and, and point fighting and all but still that that's a lot on your body to take you know and to keep going and keep, still fight at the highest level rank number three in the world like i remember uh chad ocho cinco the the american wide receiver We'll talk before about, you know, you only have certain amount of, of uh, uh, sprints in your body. You only have a certain amount of goals you can go over. You know, and say, like, if you've, I don't know, 10,000 sprints, every time you take one, you're taking one off the future ones. You know, and it's, okay, Wonderboy is a, a type of fighter who mightn't get caught that much, but he's still in there fighting. He's still in there sparring. He's still in there, you know, that, that work on his body is still happening through 80 fights through years yeah. of training he's a lifelong martial artist who's 36 years old and who has his hands down by his side when he fights so if you lose a split second in in reflexes or head movement you, mm -hmm. you can get you can end up you maybe five years ago you would have slipped a punch or 
the rest of your career you would have slipped a punch but this time you get knocked out so that can be the difference as well and it's funny to say it in this fight as well because he was fighting so well he was slipping them all perfectly against you know what should be a smaller faster man he was just it was so easy for him for the first what nine and a half minutes he, he was like the, the as i said the jab down through the middle the head kicks coming over the top like he said it himself afterwards when he was in the hospital and he was doing that Q and A and he was and he was very disappointed in that. So I don't I don't think he you know the loss is the is the easiest thing for him to take either. But, oh no, it's definitely not a yeah. happy day. It's a loss, but yeah. I, I don't know if it I don't know if it me I don't know. I get a feeling that there's just the drive to be the very best in the world that there is with some guys who who end up being the best in the world isn't quite there. Maybe. And he said it as well, like before this fight, oh, I want to fight Robbie Lawler afterwards if I win. I was like, why do you want to fight Robbie Lawler? You should be wanting to fight Usman. Like you're, <laughs> a lot of people think you're the best fighter in the world. You know, you drew, you drew with uh, Woodley once. You probably beat him the second time, and you probably beat Till as well. Or, or, you know, I was close anyway. So it, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. I and I see what you're saying that, but like in the fight, those. those high kicks the Pettis were, were thrown he was like swatting him away so easily like it was so easy it was an absolute mauling Pettis's face was burst open his nose was burst open you know Wonder Boy was kind of doing what he wants and I was thinking like oh how long more is this going to last and then it was kind of the the perfect finish it was everything kind of came together to make it perfect for Pettis and people you know say this is a lucky punch or whatever I, I think it's the furthest from that like what happened was if you watch it back Wonder Boy it was, it was near the end of the round as well which is which is an interesting point because Wonderboy, it's not that he, you know, he let his guard down because he always has his guard down, but it was maybe just that brief millisecond of, oh, the round's about to end and then you get knocked out. I think that's, you know, if people call it a lucky punch, I think that's maybe the only thing lucky about it. Other than that, it was really, think, really well set up. I think in the past that the, once a 10-second clapper goes, he's kind of likely to throw like a cartwheel kick yeah. or something. Wonderboy's thinking, oh, if I back him up, he won't, be able to, he won't be able to throw something like that. And then he backs him up and then he just comes with that Superman hook. Mm-hmm. Like what? How he landed it was was really really good because you know what Wonderboy does. He throws that front leg side kick, uh, kind of the the front kick right to the stomach or to the, to the solar plexus, and he does that to kick you out of range. So like let's say the the mid part, there's a line between uh, Wonderboy and and Pettis where kind of both their jabs are just on on range, so they're right in the pocket. Right, Wonderboy kicks you out. So maybe you're you're two or three feet out of the pocket. If you try to attack him, he can move straight back and with another two or three feet. So you're you know you're six feet apart. He always keeps that that range between you. So it's grand. If when you're throwing that that kick, that side kick to the body to push someone back, you can push him back as long as they're not up against the cage. And that's exactly where Pettis was. So he kicked Pettis was pushing him back out of range and Pettis was just up against the cage so he couldn't go anywhere then the problem was that Wonderboy didn't move back quick enough his, his feet stayed still in the middle of the in, in the middle of the cage right in front of uh, or well not in the middle of the cage up against the fa- up against the cage right again uh, right in front of Pettis and then the little step he took back was not big enough because Pettis closed that distance really quickly with that kind of hop forward and Superman punch. Like if Pettis had just thrown a normal punch there or, or a big hook over the top, it wouldn't have landed. It was the fact he closed the distance quicker with the Superman punch that got him the knockout against Wonderboy. So it was those, all those things kind of went together. 
It was Wonderboy throwing the kick that it usually pushed the guy out of range, but it couldn't push him out of range because he just hopped off the cage. Then it was Wonderboy not getting back quick enough. And then it was Pettis hopping and lepping forward those extra two feet that are, are necessary to close the distance against Wonderboy, someone who it's almost impossible to close the distance against. So it was perfect. It was a perfect formula for a KO, a big shot over the top. And when you are Wonderboy, and when you keep your guard down like that, if you're caught like that, in a position where you you know someone can close that distance quicker than you can open the distance you're getting knocked out and that is you know you live by the sword you die by the sword when you fight when you're a karateka like wonderboy and you get a cut like that you're going to get knocked out because you leave yourself so open you're standing there with your chin in the air you know the thing in boxing they always tell you not to do but in karate that's what they do but that that can that can certainly play against you, and it played against Wonderboy here. But fair play to Pettis. You know, you know, we talk yeah. a lot, obviously, about Wonderboy. Like, absolutely beautiful knockout. Like, mm-hmm. uh, well, just to make sure, because Wonderboy's been rocked hard before by Woodley and managed to survive. Woodley, I think, went for a guillotine on him um, when he had him rocked. And, but Pettis just straight into the hammer fist and uh, gave him no time to recover if, if he was going to recover, which I, I don't think he I don't think he, he would have because he, he went down hard on the initial, the initial Superman uh, punch. But... Uh, Pettis was was very quick to react. Uh, he was beaten. He was he was beaten up, but he had that killer instinct, like you know, put the fight. If Wonderboy keeps moving, he can kind of crawl back to his to his stool, and that fight can go on. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I, I don't think he would have got up from from that punch. I think the the initial punch knocked him out. But like uh, Pettis as well is someone who obviously I come on here a lot and talk about his inability to fight off the cage, his inability to stop guys backing him up, and this. This was the anathema to that. Like, <laughs> this was, this was, this is how you fight off the cage. This is, this is what I wanted Anthony Pettis to do all the time. You know, everyone knows I'm obviously a big Wonderboy fan, but if there was ever a way for Wonderboy to lose, it was Anthony Pettis doing what I've kind of been calling for him to do for, for the last four years on this podcast. So I was kind of, it made me happy in a way, uh, watching this fight because he did it. Like, and it's funny because Pettis is, like, if you, uh, Showtime Pettis, what, what do you remember as, as the biggest moment of Showtime Pettis' career? The, the one thing you, everyone always remembers Showtime Pettis for. What is it? Uh, Benson Henderson, WEC, uh, jumping off the cage, showtime it's, kick. Exactly. He's pushed against the cage. He jumps off the cage and almost knocks a guy out with a big super kick. This one. Well, in, in that one, he was kind of, they were both kind of just against the cage at a kind of side angle. And he just ran and yeah, but on the cage. Normally, what Anthony Pettis would do in that position against the guy who likes to, to grind against people like Benson Henderson does, he'd basically push himself against the cage, try to go in in a guillotine. Okay, he might get it, you know, every four fights, but then he's probably going to get taken down with it like that that's Pettis's big problem and against strikers as well he doesn't he just gets punched pu- pushed against the cage and gets beaten like that look like uh like you know like he did against max holloway okay max holloway is very very good and everything but if he could do this more or attack more coming off the cage or just push himself off the cage more he'd be such a great fighter he's already a great fighter but the, if he did that more he'd be so great like the two biggest uh wins of his career or the two, you know the two biggest moments of his career are both in the position where he's absolutely terrible. <laughs> you know, so it's Anthony Pettis, he has it in his pocket, or he has it in his locker. And that's why I get so frustrated at times with Anthony Pettis, because he can do things like this. And I want to see him do things like this, even you know, if it's against Wonderboy, who I, uh, everyone knows I've softballed for. It's great to see Pettis doing it. And, you know, what about, what about, you know, Cowboy Cerrone's after taking a fight with Ally Quinta here? Conor McGregor's looking for a fight. I don't want to see the Diaz 3 fight now. I really don't. I've seen it twice already. I just, I don't want to see it again. 
I've always wanted to see Conor McGregor versus Anthony Pettis. Pettis is talking about fighting at, you know, he fought at 70, he wants to fight at 55, maybe even light welterweight, something like that. What do you think of Conor McGregor versus Anthony Pettis in July, International Fight Week? I was kind of expecting Pettis to call him out when he was talking, he said to Sanyos, he wants to get that back. He didn't mention Conor. When he said, uh, oh, I got a couple of fights I still want at lightweight, but he didn't mention McGregor, I was I was surprised because McGregor's kind of in there waiting, you know. Uh, this, as you mentioned, the Cerrone fight was was uh, was announced. So uh, Connor's not going to be fighting him next. It doesn't look like, but you never know with Cerrone. <laughs> he could have a couple of fights in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, the Diaz fight you can just keep in your back pocket. You don't need to do it now. There's, there's no there's no need. There's no clamor for it at the moment. Uh, I'd say just hold on to it. But you need to get McGregor back in there. I suppose if he wants to get back in there. Yeah, look, if Pettis is talking July as well, what's that, three months away, I think I think that'll make a lot of sense for him, and, you know, Masvidal maybe is another fight that makes a lot of sense now that he's kind of, you know, rising up, and Masvidal obviously lost to Wonder White Thompson, but the Masvidal Leon Edwards fight might be a fight you're making as well, you know, the RDA fight might make a bit of, bit of sense as well, you know, that we, we talk a lot about that RDA fight, and I'm sure Pettis thinks a lot about that fight as well, that that was a fight that kind of changed his, traje- you know, his career tra- trajectory even, uh, easier for me to say, Schniffly knows yeah, about belt gone. Yeah, and you know he's <laughs> Jesus, everything gone. That was that was such a drubbing. So I'm I'm sure uh, Anthony Pettis would love to get that fight back. So uh, and in Wonderboy, he talked on, on that live stream he did in Facebook last night about maybe going to 185. And if the way he said it, he's kind of it felt like he never even thought about it before. But I think it makes a lot of sense for him. Apart from the whole Chris Weidman thing, uh, you know, his brother-in-law. So you know, I think that's that's the move for Anthony Pettis or, or for um, Wonderboy Thompson even, but. You know, it was it was a fun fight anyway. He's got a win over the champion Whitaker as well, and so uh, an impressive yeah. win. So yeah, um, he doesn't seem to want the Usman fight. So if he doesn't want the Usman fight, then I think one eighty five makes sense. But I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's planning it or if it's just a uh, uh, maybe. If they offer me the right fight, yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's see what happens anyway. I I was thinking about doing like um, star ratings for MMA fights, you know, like Dave Meltzer does for the for the uh, the wrestling. Well, like what star rating would you give? To, like, yeah, I think it has to be a good back and forth fight, an exciting fight. How many stars? Five is it? Five stars. Yeah, I think this is a solid like. I think this is a solid like three and a half star matchup because okay, wonder why it was really good. Pettis wasn't great, but then you had the unbelievable comeback and the big you know fairy tale knockout. I think it's up there. You know, if you, I, I'm looking at like you know uh, Gustafson versus Jones one being like a five star matchup or whatever, or you know um, uh, Gilbert Melendez versus Diego Sanchez. I think this is up there. I, I like I it was it was a start to fight that okay, it's not a great fight for for nine minutes because it's such a drubbing and it's such a one-sided fight but then the comeback makes it great makes it kind of a classic fight and a highlight reel knockout as well and the, you know these things do happen in MMA don't they this, the, you know yeah they certainly do I'd probably give it a four star I Would just you? think it was yeah I think the knockout was really really impressive just because it's against somebody as as good at evading shots as as Wonderboy and you don't get many many openings and Pettis took that opening That's very true. very well that and then he capitalized and he made sure with the coffin nails as well like he was taking no chances in the end the clock expiring or anything like that mm-hmm. it was as some people would call it a styles clash but anyway um or yeah, well, I think we should do that. Every main event, we should give it a give it a star rating. So let's do that from now on. People remind us. Uh, then the rest of the card, there really, really wasn't much. Curtis Blades versus Justin Willis, as I described it on Twitter, was like a knockoff Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis. Uh, Blades just kind of <laughs> lifting him up and throwing him down on the ground, and 
making it really, really easy for him uh, for himself. Justin Willis is he's not a top fighter. Let, let's be honest here about that. Uh, then John McDessie versus uh, Jejus Pinedo, which was one of the most boring fights I've seen in a long time. It was just nothing happened basically for for three rounds. It wasn't um, that bad. Was oh, it, was the worst in a while? it was fucking. It was a couple shite. of head kicks, or there was a head kick or something, wasn't there? Oh, <laughs> I, I, here are my notes: Macdessy round one, one with one punch. Pinedo round two, one with one punch. Macdessy leg kick wins third. <laughs> That's my that fight. So, yeah, it was not a great fight at all. I don't think it was. Uh, it was. It was the best fight. See what Mercy Barber in. I think on the undercard. You know, we kind of mentioned her last week, and maybe that was the other notable fight. Although we get to Juicy Formiga and Davidson for Gierdo in a second. Uh, but Macy Barber, you know, she came out and she was getting absolutely tuned up by by Jail Aldridge. She was getting pushed back. She almost got KO'd in the first. Came back in the second. Landed a few elbows and that that big forearm. Um, landed the same cross on JJ Aldridge that JJ Aldridge had been landed on her all night, and uh, and was able to get the finish. You know, I think Andy Stevenson asked about about the kind of the turning point in it, and I think the turning point okay was those big elbows and that big forearm inside. But I think it was that just that straight left to kind of turn the tide totally on you know that rhymes uh, on the on the fight because you know to do to someone what they have been doing to you is a very, very hard thing to do, to totally change up that fight, and she said it afterwards, I was so, you know, so intelligent from someone who was only, what, 20 years of age, born in 1998, Jesus, it makes me feel so yeah, old. only your seventh fight, though. Yes, like, she said afterwards, oh, I usually see people in there, I'm watching fights in, in the UFC, and I see people, and I think, this is what they need to do, this is what they need to change, and she goes, it's me in there now, so I need to do that as well, I was like, Jesus Christ, that's so smart, <laughs> when you see so many people in there, and they're just... They're just fighting the way that the fight kind of comes at them or someone else's fight. I think fight. it's much easier to to watch it from like the camera angle the UFC show you than be in there though. I'd say <laughs> and make adjustments. Yeah, a hundred percent. But that's that's what fight IQ is. You know your your ability to adjust, your ability to kind of take yourself out of it maybe, and you know use the use the tactic that you need to use to get the fight back. So you know it wasn't a, a great performance from Macy Barber. There's a lot a lot for her to work on after that. But still, that intelligence at at such a young age and her ability to come back and her toughness and chin as well is, is something very encouraging. But the, you know the first round was obviously pretty pretty discouraging uh, before that. Didn't UCA Formiga versus uh, Davidson Figueiredo? You know, one of the lads I think it's Nablar that's always calling out uh, Davidson Figueiredo, saying he's the one of the best fighters in the world. Where are you now? Where are you? <laughs> where, where are you now? Uh, it, it was basically three rounds of Formiga avoiding the power, just being a smarter fighter, great takedowns. Got caught with an elbow at the end of the second, uh, which uh, you know, which was the only kind of bad point for him in the whole fight. This Formiga's such a great fighter, isn't he? And I, this, looking at Formiga, I always look at, at him and say, okay, this guy's never got a title shot, and he's been beaten by uh, Joseph Benavidez, I think, and. Um, and Sinri Sahud on John Dodson. I was like, this guy has been beaten by like four guys who have fought for a title shot. He's really good. And everyone still says the flyweight division is so light. And Dimitri Shanton was always only fighting shite lads. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, look how good he is. Look how he beat yeah. a guy he's who's so, like He's so good more. on the ground, uh, especially mm. when he gets the back. And you always watch a fight differently when you have a bet on. And I had a, I had a bet on. And it was the last of my accumulator was uh, for Miga by submission. Mm-hmm. So it's always it's always different when you're watching it because you're just like 
Will you take us back and choke him? <laughs> you know, you, you're not really impressed by the, the the dominance on the ground. You're just like, oh my god, will you please choke him? Like, mm-hmm. I'm a, I could win a couple hundred quid here if you just choke him. Uh, so yeah, I was kind of watching it in that mind frame. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was very very impressive by for me. You know, I've always liked them. Like, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, like people kind of like when you get dominated by like one of the top guys in the, in the world, like Demetrius Johnson. People don't don't think oh this guy this other guy is brilliant they think oh you're terrible mm-hmm. and he's obviously not terrible and there's a lot of really good guys in 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 that weight class and for me he gets beaten a lot of them like yeah, it's hard it's hard to, to to deal with what he does okay he's not he hasn't got like you don't have to really worry about getting knocked out by him but you kind of have to worry about everything else like you have to worry about him outworking you um getting you down and if he does get you down i mentioned how good he was on the ground and at choking people and maybe if he was maybe if he was making uh, more noise if he wasn't just kind of like a quiet guy maybe more people would be talking about him but I think it is just a case of of when these small guys even in Demetrius Johnson's case nobody nobody really cares outside of the, the hardcore fans and that's just the way it is yeah uh, you need to have a huge huge personality to, to break through in the, the lighter weights mm-hmm. uh, other than that Lewis Pena missed the weight and got a good win over, over Stephen Peterson Bryce Mitchell got a very close win over over Buffy, Bobby Moffat even Marlon Vera got another good TKO a brilliant TKO over, over Frankie Sainz with, with that beautiful jab uh, and then uh, Randa Marcus got a good submission over your girl Angela Angela, McGann, Angela Hill as well the most uh, maybe the most overrated fighter in the UFC but there you go anyway uh, good good card <laughs> Good card all around. Then we'll move on to the other couple of cards from the weekend. Uh, Bellator first, Bellator 218 was on Sky and feels like I was the only one watching it here. <laughs> so anyone else roaring and giving out about Bellator not being on and nobody else watching apart from me. But uh, thanks anyway, Scott Cocker, for giving me a personal stream uh, for Bellator to be on. Uh, we had uh, Georgie Carcanyon versus Emmanuel Sanchez. Um, you know, Carcanyon got a lot of takedowns with Sanchez was able to win it just by kind of grinding it out and just by getting you know those those few elbows that he kind of that he kind of needed to get to to kind of win the fight and I, I you know it was it was it was it was not a great fight not a not a classic fight but he he just did enough to to win it uh linton vassell then uh against uh valentin maldonovsky uh a good a good win for maldonovsky as well uh in there um and atoli tokov who, who people will remember from the the fedor fight against um against fabio maldonado he he almost got knocked out and then came back and and got a, a front choke of, of his own. That was a, you know a really impressive win. I want to look out for as well. Uh, Norbert Novigny. He's fighting out of London. I think his father is a, an Olympic. Um, I don't see Olympic medalist, but he's an Olympic wrestler as well. This guy's grappling looks absolutely legit. He won by front chalk as well there. So he's definitely, definitely one uh, to look out for here coming up in, in, in the next while. Uh, and, then, you know, not a, not a great card by Bellator, but it's good to be able to watch it and just be able to talk about it here and be able to keep, see guys like, like Novigny coming through or like, you know, uh, Tokov or or, uh, or or Emmanuel Sanchez and Carcanyon in the main event. And, the, you know, there's another... Uh, Another one coming up next week as well. So you know, that's that's another car we'd be able to, to obviously Actually, watch. Just on that, yeah. I haven't really been. I haven't. I haven't got a Sky at the moment mm-hmm. in uh, Sky New, or Sky Sports News. So have have Be- has Bellator been promoted a lot on Sky Sports News or uh, has it been mentioned at all? Or I haven't been watching Sky Sports News that often. Maybe someone can can let us know. I remember before the. 
the Dublin fights, I was watching it a bit, and they were, you know, it was coming up on the, on the side thing and all, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure though, I haven't been watching it that much recently, I've just been busy and sick and shit as well, so, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe someone can let us know, or we'll, ha- we'll have a look before next week, but, you know, you, you would think it would be, you know, we kind of mentioned that at the time when they signed it, maybe for the big, the big, you know, uh, cards in London, or the big card in Dublin, or let's say if Rory McDonald is fighting or something like that, but I don't think this kind of, this is kind of the run-of-the-mill fight card that, the likes of me and you and maybe four others, Andy Stevenson and fucking Mr. Podge will watch, but not, well, Mr. Podge in Australia, I think, but anyway, uh, and no one else <laughs> will watch, you know, so it's one of those cards, so maybe, you know, they're, they're not going to be talking about this, and your know, next week's card is kind of like that as well, side of what, Brandon Gritz, is a good fight, but not, not, not lots of people will be watching, Andre Karashkov is coming back there as well, Joe Schilling is coming back, he's he's fighting Keith Berry, an experienced guy as well, so uh, AJ Matthews, David Rickles as well, you know, not, not a bad card, Sean Bunch is on the card as well, um, so not not the worst card in the world, but I don't think it's one that that you know all the the casuals will be watching or anything like, anything like that. So yeah, um, I remember Sky used to, or there used to be some kind of like TV rank ratings that used to come out. I don't know if uh, they come out at the end of the month. It'll be interesting to see how how Dublin the Dublin show did on uh, yeah. on, on Sky Sports. I was actually looking for them there, and I couldn't I couldn't find anything. Maybe you know maybe if anyone does know where we can get them to to let us know as well because we used to be able to get them from BT Sports if you'd email them and stuff they'd, they'd send them out to or uh, and I think maybe that was that was a while ago I don't know if they'll do that anymore but I don't know what Sky I think you can get them for like the you know Channel 5 and the BBC and stuff like that but I think it's maybe harder for the for the private companies or the you know the, the, the satellite companies to, to get them for that so yeah it's, it's interesting to see how they're actually doing and you know, it's interesting to see if this if this deal will last over a year. But anyway, um, all right, let's move on to to KSW forty seven. I did, did you see Norman Parr fight? Or will I just? Uh, no, I didn't see it. I just saw the the result. Yeah, so Norman Park was fighting Boris Minkowski, and look, I I thought Boris did enough to win. Watch the watch the back, watch the second round back, especially, and it was definitely closer than maybe I thought, and a lot of people thought at the time. I still thought Boris just did enough. Um, in the first round, he was he was. You know, piecing Norman up with big uppercuts up through the middle. Norman's face was bloodied and beaten. But, in you know, in kind of classic Norman style, he stuck in there. Couldn't, you know, you couldn't knock him out. Norman is, you know, say what you want about Norman Park. He is tough as fuck and he never stops. Uh, in the second round in, for the first maybe 90 seconds, it was, it was the same again from Boris. But then Norman kind of took a step outside of range. And he was landing a few more jabs from the outside. And definitely getting back into the fight. And got a late takedown there. I, look, I thought the first 90 seconds maybe maybe two minutes or so, Boris landed enough big shots, but Mormon did definitely came back with big shots of his own, so, you know, I I didn't think it was as clear as maybe I thought initially, but I, I still thought Boris had it, and in the third, Norman came in, and he got the takedown straight away, um, and he got the takedown at the end of the, the, the second as well, um, and he got the takedown kind of halfway through the third, and won that round pretty pretty clearly, so it was, you know, it was a close fight, Um you can definitely see what the judges were kind of saying, but uh, a good, you know, good win for Norman, and uh, especially after that first round, that you know the heart and the bottle he showed to come back and win that. Norman's record recently has been has been pretty good since he went out of the UFC, won our Fighter of the Year last year, and uh, you know, I kind of it was a typical Norman performance, a hard nose, non non stop uh, performance against the guy who's what nineteen and eight or something like that. So not a not a bad record uh, either to go into the yeah the has Lions wins team. over what Jesse Taylor, John McGuire, yeah. uh, a couple of years back. Like they're good wins. So this guy is no joke. Like and uh, obviously I didn't see the fight, but uh, people were I saw people disputing it, but. Uh, 
Norman fights a lot of Norman's fights are, are very close and uh, he has a kind of way of, of just grinding out these decisions and yeah. it's a it's a quality that, that will that will get you through tough situations like uh, obviously he's been he's been hurt before in fights and it's nothing new to him like you know when you've been in there for a lot of minutes inside the cage like Norman has your 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 endurance and your your the fight inside you is obviously very high so uh, yeah he's a uh, He's just got to keep winning. Uh, he never should have been cut from the UFC in the first place, in my opinion. 100%. It's probably a, a style thing. Like it's like he's not all that exciting. Uh, so that's probably the only reason why he's not in the UFC now. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, apart from from that, in this card was it? You know, it was a great KSW card. If you haven't seen it, it'd be interesting to uh, to go back and and watch it. Uh, Alexander Illich against Damian Jankowski uh, got one of the best. Knockouts of the year, a question mark kick, brilliant, brilliant knockout. Peter uh, Carroll, Peter Carroll, decide uh, describe uh, Janikowski as the as the Iron Peak of 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 KSW, and you know you, you can you can definitely say that. Uh, Martin Vorshek, who we know from the Ultimate Fighter, got another uh, good win here. Uh, Satoshi Ishii, Olympic gold medalist, got a win, and not the best fight in the world. Uh, uh, didn't Marek Marek Pujanowski was fighting against um, mm. an Olympic weightlifter and Simon Kaletsky and he pulled his grind in. Did you see that? Did you see the the, the end of that fight? It was it was very odd. He was be- uh, Kaletsky basically just picked him up. Uh, Pujanowski tore his grind and, and tapped out. Before that, it was it was a relatively good fight, you know, between a, a strongman <laughs> and a weightlifter. So. Um, you know, I, I was happy enough with it. It was a lot of obviously pushing against the cage, as you always see with, with Pujanowski fights. But Kaletsky actually looked not bad at all. He, he doesn't look like a, a terrible fighter. And, uh, you know, maybe against someone else, you know, not named Pujanowski, it could be a lot better. But you could see a rematch of that as well because of, of the way it ended. And in, in, the, in the main event, uh, Phil DeVries got an absolute, you know brilliant display against uh, Thomas Narcoon obviously the super fight the, the light heavyweight champ versus the heavyweight champ took him down rode out on top Narcoon looked out of ideas for about 3 rounds and then at the start of the 50 came out throwing mad and he almost finished the freeze but the freeze kept going and, and he um, he won the round on, on all the judges cards I thought uh, Narcoon won it but however he definitely won the first uh, 4 anyway the freeze and, and the, the, you know the 5th was, was close after that initial 90 second burst but uh you know, it looked like Narcoon was carrying that extra bit of weight he was carrying didn't help him either. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a good win for him. One, one thing I wanted to, before we move on, uh, about Anthony Pettis as well, another else. Like, you always see, when lads go up in weight, you always think maybe, oh, they won't carry the power. They won't be able to knock guys out. But if you look, Pettis goes up to welterweight, knocks out Wonderboy. Like, you know, even McGregor goes up, knocks out uh, Eddie Alvarez. And I know he came down from 170, but he was going up from 145. Uh, Amanda Nunes went up and knocked out um, uh, knocked out Cyborg. Daniel Cormier went up and knocked out Stipe. Do you, do you think there's anything to that? Like, lads go, and ladies gone up oh, in well, weight and carry more power? Yeah. Yeah, I think so because you're you're not draining your body like so much the day before the fight. It's got to have a, a huge effect. Like I've never done it myself, but I've seen how I've been up close and personal, seeing how hard these weight cuts can be or usually are, and sometimes they can be extremely difficult and like people nearly passing out and stuff, and people not being able to to move, having to move like one limb at a time to get out of a bath and stuff. You know, it's it definitely affects you, and it must affect your your energy and your your power and all of that mm-hmm. 100% uh, alright let's uh, let's move on 1FC 92 a new era is coming up this weekend Demetrius Johnson makes his 1FC debut against Yuya Wamamatsu uh, yeah Eddie Alvarez makes his 
1FC debut against Timofey Natsukin. Uh, Andy Sauer is on the card. I think there's three title fights on this card. And four title fights on this card. Uh, Kevin Bellion against Bobiano Fernandez. A guy, two guys we you know we've we've seen a lot over the years. Very very good. Angela Lee is fighting on this card. Shinya Aoki is fighting in the main event. Uh, and uh, uh, Anglis Nyang is also on on this the um, the two hundred five uh, champion. So a big big card for for one fc interesting to see how demetrius johnson gets on interesting to see how how uh, eddie alvarez gets on andy sour as well is, is fighting in this card in a, in a kickboxing bout um you know a guy who who's been uh been around for a long time gary tonan as well is on the undercard who looks like a top top prospect coming in from being a, a jiu-jitsu guy so uh, a good card for one fc isn't it Are you looking forward to this um not really what yeah, not really. Like I don't know. It's just I, I like I love watching Demetrius Johnson fight, but I like him to fight people who are extremely good as well, like and who have like a legitimate chance. Like it is a shame, and, though, isn't it? Yeah, to see like yeah. it, you know, it's it's like whenever he should be going for like you know a record or trying to get his title back or going for like if he hadn't a loss, going for like a record streak or something, not just fighting some guy in in Asia. Yeah, it's like Marwan Fellaini going out and playing in China, isn't it? You know, I'm the best in the world going out and playing with lads who aren't half as good as him. No, just, me. <laughs> just me. But like, do you remember, like when... Uh, okay, Rooney's a bad example because he was kind of gone shit. But lads like that going to America, or, you know, Zlatan or something. It's like, you know, it's, it's like a lion in a zoo, really. You know, and, and Demetrius Johnson is probably going to be like that out, out in one FC. And it's very unfortunate. Like, I wanted to see... Dem- the, the one thing we always said about Demetrius was he's a great fighter. He's, he's done it all, but... We'd love to see him fighting those big fights. You know, I remember at the start of, of last year, uh, people were asking me, what's the one fight you want to see for the year? And I was like, Demetrius Johnson versus TJ Lillishaw. I want to see that that big super fight. You know, TJ came down, and we'll talk about him more in, in a couple of minutes. But that was the kind of fight I wanted to see. So it's unfortunate we're not seeing those big fights from Demetrius Johnson. And, you know, hopefully they can get Horiguchi in there. I know he's with uh, with Rise and the other organization. But maybe they can get him in there. Maybe they can get Farmiga uh, if they close down this, this 125 division or Davidson Fier. Figueiredo or Lewis Smolkar, someone in there uh, to, to get Demetrius Johnson fights, but I don't know if he's going to get any great fights uh, out there at the moment. But sure, look, we, we shall see. And I'm look, I'm always excited to see Demetrius Johnson fight, and I'll be I'll be watching. And yeah, I'm not like, oh, this is terrible, but like, it's just kind of disappointing that he's not. Like the UFC have just kind of got rid of him and the, the division. It's it's. Uh... It may, it may, it may be better than than I'm expecting, but I, I just expect it to be so easy for Demetrius Johnson, and yeah. when there's kind of like no, uh, maybe I'm doing the other guy a disservice, and I, I don't know, or maybe people are, are people are, are there are just things in his game that that people can see a method of victory, but uh, like you know when he when he fights Henry Cejudo, there's a, there's a method of victory when he fights. Joseph Benavidez, any like Dodson, any of these guys, there's a method of victory. Like, obviously, it's MMA and anything can happen. You go in there and like you could get caught, but it's it's just not. There's no kind of oh, what will happen, or even if he does kind of ragdoll this guy or pull off some some amazing suplex armbar, you know, and in the back of your head you'd be thinking that ah, it's only some some guy he yeah. did. It's yeah. not like some guy who you've seen in the UFC for years and you know is his class, like is brilliant technically. Yeah, and as well, like, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to see it, does the tree actually fall? That's another thing as well. <laughs> you know, Demetrius, is anyone actually going to see this card? That's, you know, that's another thing. You know, it's a shame that a guy this good is, is probably not going to be seen by anyone and he's not going to be fighting anyone that anyone cares about him beating. So it's, 
it's very unfortunate, but look, sure, these things do happen in MMA. And then, moving on, I suppose it's the exact opposite of that. The, the ultra-competitive affair of Edson Barbosa versus my boy Justin Gaethje, your boy Justin Gaethje, coming up uh, next weekend on March 30th in the Wells Fargo Centre in Philadelphia. I suppose a card that Eddie Alvarez would have loved to have been on, being, being at Philadelphia by... I... I... I I find it hard to get my head around this Edson Barboza Justin Gaethje match. Like it's likely going to be Justin Gaethje pushing forward, Edson Barboza throwing leg kicks, Justin Gaethje throwing leg kicks as well, and Edson Barboza trying to land that one big shot, trying to push him off. To me, it it feels like Barboza has all always has a chance in there and will probably land some huge shots in the first ninety seconds, or, or well, maybe more than ninety, round and a half, let's say. And if he can't get Justin Gaethje out of there, it's just probably going to be like three rounds of Justin Gaethje destructing him piece by piece and finishing him. But Barbosa has a chance here, doesn't he? You know, Gaethje is, okay, you know, a bigger chance than just a puncher's chance. But Gaethje is so open against a guy like Barbosa. hits so hard and kicks so hard as well. It's, it's, it's not maybe the, you know, the stylistic nightmare. Okay, it is a stylistic nightmare for, for Edson Barbosa. But it's one maybe that he can use to his advantage to get that big knockout. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's can he withstand the kind of first round pressure of Gaethje because Gaethje will will slow down and probably won't use his wrestling even if even if the striking is going against him even though he has good wrestling. So um, Barbosa is probably probably going to try and strike with him early and um, Gaethje's going to try and push him back. So. I know, I know, Barbosa is a favorite here, but I, I'm, I have, a, I think Gaethje's going to win. But when, when you're picking Gaethje, really? Yeah. Jesus. Wait, wait. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Hold on, let me double check that. That's mad. Uh, yeah, Barbosa's, uh, yeah, Barbosa's a favorite. Jesus. So, um, I think, I think Barbosa kind of in the Habib fight showed a bit more toughness and grit than he than he'd shown in previously in his career. Maybe when things have gone against him, um, but. Uh, um, I just see Gaethje, Gaethje's initial pressure and being too much. I just, I, I, I think he's going to win, but it's obviously it's hard when Gaethje, Gaethje's going forward like that he could get caught with with a with a punch or a kick from a very talented striker. But uh, I think it's going to be a, a war early, and then maybe Gaethje will put him away late in the first or in the second. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I don't think it'll be that early. Maybe I think it'll be maybe in the third because Barbosa is very, very tough. You know, third or fourth maybe. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was a kind of a Pettis Wonderboy fight where um, uh, Gaethje's just beating him up and beating him up and beating him up, and then Barbosa lands that one big shot. Like yeah, Barbosa almost did that to Habib. Remember that he, in the in the third round of that fight, he was getting smashed, and then he landed a huge shot in Habib, and okay, he didn't almost knock him around or anything. But most lads, you know, if if he lands that shot clean or you know an, an extra millimeter to left or right. And, and he hits you in the right spot. He could knock you out. So there's always that that hope with Barbosa. You know more than more than most people. So uh, I I would have Gaethje as favorite to be honest. But you know the bookmakers <laughs> probably know more than us. And either way, it's it's going to be a, a a really really a really really great fight. Looking forward to to seeing that one. Then after that, there isn't that much many great fights on this card. Uh, I like the Karolina Kowalkiewicz, um uh, Michelle Watterson fight I think that's a really good fight David Branch Jack Hermanson Jack Hermanson has been, been doing some very good things recently I'm always a, a fan of his Josh Emmett good to see him back against Michael Johnson Shaman Morris is on this card uh, as well against Shadik Youssef who's a good up and comer uh, Desmond Green Ross Pearson and other than that Ray Borg is back again against Kyler Phillips he's fighting a bantamweight now so uh, you know that's an interesting one 
Um, and uh, Marina Morose as well is, is back. Not not the best card in the world, is it? No, it re- really isn't. Uh, it's good to see Josh Emmett back, as you mentioned. Uh, but, like... <laughs> Michael Johnson fight it'll probably be a good fight but it's not one year like like it could be a good fight and it could be exciting but it's not it's not great the David Branch Jack Hermanson fight isn't great um the Michelle Watterson uh Carolina Kovalkiewicz fight is 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 a good fight but um looking at the rest of the card like Paul Craig is fighting some guy who's six and oh uh I'm not even gonna try and pronounce that name mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think these these recent cards on like uh, ESPN and uh, these kind of fight nights on ESPN too, they're, they're going to be just one fight at the top, and then the rest are going to be kind of crap like yeah. fights, like not crap, but like not not exciting in any way. Like there's no kind of importance, real importance behind them, bar for the the single fighter to win or lose. Like you know, there's no yeah. title implications or there's no like upcomer is going to be on these cards, but. That's fine, like you know, uh, it gives these guys maybe some guy you don't expect a chance to to, to stand out, I suppose, as well. And uh, it's just it's oversaturation with all these cards. Like it's 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 turning. It's not like boxing now, but it's it's more like that like that with a with a much more main event heavy uh, or main event reliant. Yeah, top cards. heavy. Top heavy, yeah. yeah, but not even top heavy. Just main event, like the co-main event isn't like usually. In the past, you get a good co-main event at least, sure. and a good main event, or maybe even another fight in the on the main event that you're really excited about. But now you'd be lucky to get that. Yeah, that is true, and you know it's an interesting kind of segue as well because ESPN have really taken over this week. They've taken all the UFC pay-per-views now. If you're in America, the only way to watch the UFC is is on ESPN, and the pay-per-views are not available in demand anymore they're not available on direct tv you can go to you know channel 498 on your uh, on your american version of the skybox press the button and order your pay-per-view you have to go and get the espn app you have to download it you have to subscribe to espn and when you subscribe to espn you get a fiver off it because it's a fiver to subscribe to espn like it's an it's an interest now look i think america is ahead of us in in technology and in apps and in people having Netflix, you know, obviously a lot of people in Ireland have Netflix and stuff as well. But you know, in in watching sports like that, the zone is very prevalent. I think they have like a, a fight pass sort of thing for the NFL and for um for basketball as well. So you know, they're more used to it over there. But I, it's an it's a very very interesting time because this is definitely people are going to lose out here, and the UFC are going to lose out on buys because. I was listening to Dave Meltzer's podcast uh, the other day, and he was talking about the WWE, and obviously they have the uh, uh, not the same model, but a similar model. Obviously, they're not uh, they're only nine ninety nine a month in America for, and you get all the pay per views. Whereas the UFC, you have to pay the five a month, and then you have to pay the sixty quid as well for the pay per views. But he was saying that some people, there's like I think forty thousand people or twenty thousand people, something like that, a few thousand people anyway, who still buy the pay per views on television from WWE. And that's because not a lot of people either have a computer or can use a computer or things like that, or they don't have the internet that's strong enough to stream it. There's always going to be a, a, a big amount, uh, you know, a large amount of people who, who do that and want to buy it on television, and now they can't do it. And then there's other people who won't want to subscribe. You know, if I go to, to, to somewhere, unless I like it, unless it's the Severe Mail Podcast Patreon, uh, I'm not going to be signing up to subscribe to, to keep me in it for a year or whatever just to watch one fight. You know, that, that's a very interesting thing as well. And then, okay... You look at that point, and then you get, and you look at the likes of, of Conor McGregor or John Jones, who are getting pay per view buys, and you're thinking like, 
will they be as willing to fight in big fights now as they used to be? Because they won't be getting as much money because there won't be as many buys. You know, that, that 20 to 30 to maybe 50,000 buys is a lot for guys like like a McGregor or, or, a, or a Jones who, okay, they're, they're drawing big numbers, especially McGregor. But that that's going to be a pay cut for them. And that's uh, that's because of the UFC. That's because the UFC decided to do this and they changed over with the ESPN. You know, the UFC are, are going to be getting a lot more money because when they were with In Demand, when they were with DirecTV and all of them, there was a split. Like, I think it was 50 50 the split before, and they were going towards a 70 30 because obviously the UFC was kind of the last thing on, on pay per view or a 65, uh, what is it, 35 or whatever it is. Um, but the UFC are gone now. So they're going to have a, a bigger percentage, obviously, with, with ESPN, ESPN Plus. And they're going to be getting a lot more money from themselves. Now, whether McGregor and Jones and other guys go in there and renegotiate their contracts to get more money or, or a bigger, you could see bigger pay packets, you know, and instead of the, the 3 million that McGregor or Jones would get uh, from, from the state commi- commission, maybe that's going to be a 5 million. And then the, um, the, the pay-per-view will be more after that. Maybe something like that's going to happen. But it's an interesting time. And what, what's your take on, on the whole thing as I kind of just ranted away about it there for like four minutes? <laughs> yeah it's strange uh as you say like people who kind of casually want to kind of get it on tv or want to get a last minute kind of can't now I, um it's a strange and people young people okay are, are pretty good at using computers and streams but a lot of people still aren't and still kind of don't know what they're doing and are kind of afraid of streams nearly mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've had bad experiences in the past maybe with streams buffering or not working or things like that um i think it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna take a, a lot of time for people to adjust it just to it and people are gonna lose it or do you see and the fighters on pay-per-view points are gonna lose out while this happens but maybe maybe like maybe it is it probably is the future you know watching things on computers so yeah. maybe Maybe it's the, in the long run. It's it's a good it's a good option to to get it going now before uh, to get all the the bugs worked out and get everything ready for for fully transitioning over away from televisions. Because yeah. televisions are like television and cable and all that digital is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's expensive in the UK and Ireland, but it's more expensive in in America. If you want to watch, if you're a big sports fan, you want to watch all the sports. It's very expensive. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a matter of time, I think, before everything moves on the internet. But I think it's early to do this. Like, I think they're coming off, like, not that long ago, a huge pay-per-view number, like the biggest they've ever done. And now they're moving away from that now. Yeah, It's a a strange move. I think this might see Habib versus McGregor being the biggest pay-per-view number the UFC ever does. I, I don't know if they can ever do a bigger one than that again. And I know it's just because of the event and all was big and it's hard to get a fight that big. But just because they're moving on to, to stream only. And when people are going streaming things um, and having to pay for streams, they're probably, before they do that, if you're wise enough to do that, you're probably going to go and look for a free stream. And, you know, it's going to be driving people more to, to pirate streams as well, which is is a factor maybe that people wouldn't discuss or think about in this. But that is a, definitely a factor. Like, oh, I click on this website, it's going to cost me 60 quid. I'll go and I'll see if I can get it for free before I, I buy it. You know, and that that's going to be a factor yeah. here as well. How many? I don't know. I don't know. If- if the UFC or Endeavor are like this, but I remember when we were Universal were like talking about the McGregor when we released a documentary of McGregor, they were putting it online like while it was still in the cinemas in Ireland. And I was just like, this, it's crazy. Like, you know, it's going to be all over the internet the second you put it up. And they're like, oh no, we'll get them taken down. I'm like, no, you won't. Mm-hmm. Like, you won't. But they didn't listen. And then, like, within minutes of it going online, it was all over Torrance and all over all them, you know, 
typical websites that people will go to to stream a movie or a documentary or a TV series. Like it's it, people people are used young people anyway are used to watching things illegally. They don't think of it as illegal. They just type it into Google and they click on it and they watch it. It's just what they do. Yeah, and it's, and e- it's even if, easier if, now as well with Periscope you, and all that. You can just get things. Yeah, so if you just type in like ESPN to free stream, like search around for a few minutes, you're gonna find it. Like, yeah. it's it's not difficult. Mm-hmm. Espe- you know, especially with Twitter now as well, because it's live updating all the time and it's not getting taken down yeah. as quickly as it used to as well. You know, whether it's you know, many or like you have a WhatsApp group with a few mates and people are talking about a fight and then like, oh, do you have a stream for that? Boom, link goes in the WhatsApp group. Mm-hmm. Everybody clicks on it see you later like yeah. you know and that's you know 10 people in whatsapp group and maybe you know 30 more people outside of a whatsapp group go here i got a stream for this you want to look at so yeah that, that does happen and you know that's going to happen more and more because of this deal so you know it's an interesting time to see if this lasts you know i, I talked in the, the state of the ufc with, with zane simon about this and he's like he's not sure if whether this will last or not this this might be the big, uh, a biggest success as, as they think it might be uh but look it's, it's interesting to, to see what the ufc and see, see where they, they go from here uh before we get to the questions uh, and we did we did a podcast on this, but TJ Dillashaw failed a, a drugs test this week. Well, he was flagged by the the uh, New York State Athletic Commission. He was banned for a year by by New York, and now he's going to be going to obviously arbitration or whatever with um, USADA to see where this lands him. He uh, relinquished his UFC bantamweight title, and Dana White came out last night and said uh, that Marlon Moraes and Henry Cejudo are going to be fighting for the vacant uh, title. Um, it, it's an interesting one, I suppose, in the fact that TJ was cutting a lot of weight uh, and coming down to 125 pounds. So you wouldn't think he'd be the guy, you know, to to get caught for drugs. We don't obviously we don't know what it is. A lot of people speculating it's it's a diuretic to get down and stuff. That hasn't been specified yet. It'd be interesting to to hear him come out and and say it. You know, as we kind of talked about on on Patreon that maybe if it was a diuretic or maybe it was marijuana or something like that that uh he would have he would have come out and and said it because it, you know it's something something minor and it's you know you're not getting people thinking oh you're you're juice and this lad is on you know EPO or whatever and it was it was the day before the fight as well so it's what's what's your all take on this do you think that it's right to move forward with Marais versus Cejudo and what do you think of the whole TJ failure thing yeah i think it's i think it's the right fight to make um if you're not going to keep the 25 division proper running division which mm-hmm. they don't seem to be so uh, the TJ thing uh, kind of got to wait to see what it is and all that stuff but uh, as I said never surprised when on the uh, as I said on the, the breaking news podcast we did for Patreon I'm never surprised when when somebody fails especially kind of under the circumstances of, of going down a weight class and mm-hmm. <laughs> well I'm, 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 I'm you're a little bit surprised they fail but you're not surprised that they were doing something a lot of the time like we don't know what TJ was doing but just in general I mean yeah, and like, yeah, 100%. And, and then Cody comes out and, you know, says, I said it all along. And I think a few other alpha male kind of whispers are coming out that they, oh, we knew he was doing this all along and stuff. So, it, you know, wait till, wait till we hear what happens. It could be could be anything, could be a, a tainted supplement or anything. But look, when a guy fails the test, it doesn't look good. And especially when he comes out and he gives up the belt. And as well, you know, <laughs> I, could be those pesky dip dick bills again. It could fucking, be those pesky everywhere. fucking Viagra, the dirty bastards. Uh, but as I said on that part, and I've said it here multiple times, I knew it that this, pe- you know, people not being announced having failed the drug test would only last as long as a champion didn't fail and then the champion fails. And what happened straight so this away? Is, this is a second I told you so, is it? Yeah, yeah. Of the week. What, what was the other one? 
It was the breaking news podcast you did this as well. Oh, yeah, I did as well. <laughs> people, people haven't heard that, so I have to say it here. But, you know, it's... It really is. It's and okay. Oh, T.J. Dillashaw came out and he broke the news before other people could break it, break it and all or, or whatever. But he he was pushed to do this. We we all know. It. Let let's be honest here. He was talking to the UFC. He was talking to his management and he was talking about you know obviously the belt. You can't hold up the belt if you're going through you know a year and a half or, or two years of arbitration. He's going to be banned for a year by Nevada or by uh, New York either way. I'd say so. You know it's. I knew it. I knew it would only last this long. So. Uh, look, we'll see how it goes. I, I I personally don't think that Henry Cejudo versus Moraes is the fight to make. I think Henry Cejudo versus Joseph Benavidez is the fight to make at 125 and get someone else for Moraes. It's like, I think if, if Moraes hadn't knocked out Aljamain Sterling in the devastating fashion that he did, I think they'd probably make that fight now and then they'd make uh, Henry Cejudo versus Joseph Benavidez. But I think it's just kind of unfortunate for the 125 pound division. But then as well said last night that he wants to make Farmiga versus uh, Joseph Benavidez and then have the winner of that fight, Henry Cejudo. And he didn't really say where they'd fight Henry Cejudo. It kind of half sounded like he said he'd fight at, they'd fight at 135. But you'd think with them both being 125ers, they'd fight at 125. But it's it's the waters are very muddy <laughs> around there to like light bantamweight division there and in the in between of those those yeah. what uh, dana divisions. says right after a fight as well like you never really know in the best of times but especially right after fights he's mm-hmm. just gonna ad lib and just gonna saying what pops into his head that is true as well that is true all right let's move on to the questions here sign up patreon patreon.com forward slash severe med podcast with zane simon on the state of the ufc a good hour-long podcast there we had obviously the breaking news podcast we had rewatches and there'll be more rewatches coming this week and and that uh uk mma show coming up as well here uh this week uh first one here actually from twitter that i wanted to get down we'll get to the patreon questions then uh, from bootneck andy he asked about um putting your journalism head aside and who do you want to win in fights and I kind of said that I never really want anyone to win. I just kind of enjoy the fights. And he said to, to ask you, what do you think? And how, how do you go in watching fights? And if anyone else kind of feels the same. Like, do you do you ever go into fights and kind of want to see someone win? I, I never really do, to be honest. Um, and sometimes when you have, like, money on guys and stuff like that, you obviously, I was talking well, about yeah. that earlier, you yeah. kind of watch the fight differently. You're kind of... You're just kind of like if you have a message, you're like just fucking <laughs> submit them or just knock them out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or if if somebody's rocked, you're you're not like oh you're like oh finish them finish them. You know you watch it in a different way like like that. But there, like when I was when I was before years ago, I had kind of favorite fighters. But now it's just I like seeing like the best matchups and exciting mm-hmm. fights and stuff like that more than more than I want a guy to win really badly. But sometimes you know a guy wins and it does make you feel like ah uh, I'm so glad he won. Like yeah. yeah like you kind of mentioned that the Aldo one it was nice to see him win because he was like you know underdog and underestimated and he'd had a bit of a tough tough time against McGregor and uh, Max Holloway and uh, everything had kind of shattered around him you know his whole his whole like legacy nearly mm-hmm. so uh, that was a kind of afterwards I was like ah yeah because I did have a kind of Aldo as one of my favorite fighters years and years ago like I don't know WC days 10 years ago mm-hmm. Like when I when I came into MMA, I'm kind of the same, and I I was never really a big fan of anyone. Like okay, Wonderboy, you could say I was the one lad, and a lot of that is gimmick as well. Like, but I I really I, I really I'm a fan of guys because I like their style. Like I love Diego Sanchez's I love style. His gimmick, he jumps off the, the bandwagon <laughs> as he gets knocked out. He's, he's still he still his body's still warm. <laughs> uh, I was only joking. <laughs> Like the, 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 the fucking Kaiser sauce. He isn't even in the ground yet. He isn't even in the ground yet, John. 
Have some respect. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. I the Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy. <laughs> Wonder Man. Wonder Dead. But, uh, yeah. I, but, I, yeah, the series. I was always just a fan of kind of the fights. And, you know, even, okay, the one the one that you could say I'm a fan of Wonder Boy. Last night, I wasn't, like, devastated when he got knocked. I was like, oh, shit. I was, I was shocked more than anything. And... I think fights like that are kind of a telltale sign because obviously before years ago I'd be like oh I'd hope this guy wins you know just before I was covering the sport or whatever even the, you know the early days I'm like oh I don't like the way that lad was talking or when Kobe Covington got in your got in your head right <laughs> yeah yeah that happened as well but yeah look yeah but these these days I you know unless there's a bet or something or you know unless it's a non-real comeback fight when you you, you kind of get taken by the fight but it I almost never happens you know if I watch fucking a thousand fights a year maybe it'll happen once or something so very 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 rare uh, you know I mentioned uh, the likes of Aldo and the likes of uh, Diego Sanchez it's not like hoping they win it's just after they win you're happy for them because you know they've gone through so much or they're such legends or whatever so I think that's kind of my take on it anyway. Um, Sometimes right. it happens with BJ Penn where you're hoping he doesn't lose really badly. Yeah, or like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, more than hoping uh, he wins. Yeah, it's like, I don't hate Ryan Hall. Please but, hope you're really sad. <laughs> yeah, please please don't hurt BJ Penn's head. Please. That's all we, we ask. Yeah, 100%. All right, uh, Patreon. Uh, was Pettis KOing Wonderboy the biggest upset in a long time? I did not see that coming. It has to be up there, wasn't it? There was one a couple of weeks ago as well. I think it was a big upset. But yeah, it is a big upset. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't see it coming. Um, can you think of any big upsets that happened recently that uh, that were as big as this? Maybe Sahuda versus Dillashaw. Although that, I don't think that was as big an upset as this. And it was an early stoppage as well. As someone, one of the lads over on Twitter, that he's this ongoing joke saying everything when you're knocked out cold. That I think is an early stoppage because I thought Sahuda. When actually, like you're making a joke yourself because that was an early stoppage. So fuck you. But anyway, um, yeah, it was it was a, a big shock. Uh, Don Stickney, given Pettis's Achilles heel at lightweight was wrestling, does he stand a chance against the bigger, stronger wrestlers at the top of welterweight? Even RDA keeps getting out wrestled at welterweight. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. But I wouldn't say wrestling totally is his Achilles heel because Pettis is actually very good from the bottom and he's very good jiu-jitsu so him getting taken down is not the worst thing he can do it's him getting pushed against the cage it's him getting pushed back and uh, you know that that f- fighting against the fence as he did ever so well <laughs> in this fight is usually his Achilles heel but you know the bigger power, more powerful guys uh, he will struggle against but saying that as well yeah, you're talking like Covington, Usman, Woodley, yeah. people like that who are like bigger, much bigger guys than him who are much, much better wrestlers than him. But he's tricky off his back. But these are bigger, more powerful guys as well. Um, he w- he would have a speed advantage on the feet. Uh, but the blueprint is there to beat him, and people have used it a few times. And, and Wonder Boy is like never going to try and take anybody down. He's there to strike, and Pettis knew that, so he kind of could be more comfortable on the feet, maybe. Yeah, that, yeah, that, is for, that was. That was kind of my take on the whole fight overall. Both guys were more comfortable because they knew the other guy would just strike with him. I know it's uh, people criticize Wonderboy for having boring fights against Tyron Woodley, but it's hard not to be bored against Tyron Woodley when you're a fighter like Wonderboy. You know, Wonderboy fights Robert Whitaker, he fights uh, Pettis or whoever standing up, and he can he can show off all these showy things. Um, then it, obviously it's a lot better for him. Uh, Brian Harrington, is it time for Wonderboy to to go to middleweight? I thought he would have went after Wood, second Woodley fight with a win over Whitaker already. It would probably take only at most two fights to get the shot. I think it would. And like the thing about it as well is, 
okay, you you know, you mentioned earlier, and we talked about this earlier, that his, his chin would be better, maybe, and he'd have more power and stuff like that. But I think his speed would be a lot better as well, obviously, fighting bigger guys. And I think Wonderboy is a speed fighter. You know, and it, Pettis using his speed in a smaller, faster guy, maybe not faster, but as faster than what he's usually uh, up against, uh, was able to catch him. But the guys at middleweight wouldn't be half as fast, and I think Wonderboy is that sort of fighter, where if he can be faster than you and not get hit, he's going to beat you every time. So I, I think well, uh, middleweight would be a, a great move for uh, for Wonderboy. Yeah, especially as he's getting older and his, his reactions are naturally going to slow down, and he's a, he's a fighter that relies on reflexes and, and you know hands by his side and stuff, as we talked about earlier. So yeah, the, they wouldn't the guys wouldn't be quite as quick as you know an Anthony Pettis. Obviously, Anthony Pettis is a 155 or most of his career, and was even down at 145. But uh, yeah, I think I think as he gets older as well, it's probably harder to to make the weight as well. People talk about that, like you know, uh, weight cutting is a young man's sport. I think a few mm-hmm. people I can't remember who said that, but somebody said that, and it's, I think it's very true. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, and Brian Harrington as well. Uh, if Izzy loses the Gaslam, Wonderboy versus Izzy would be a great matchup at, at middleweight. I, I agree with that. I'd love to see that fight. Yeah, let's make that happen. And in Sean Dini, which is the better knockout, the Superman punch uh, versus the question mark kick in KSW? I'd say the Superman punch, the, the KSW. Just because of the level was, of competition yeah. as well. Yeah. Always comes in for me. That was my first cough after an hour and five minutes, so that was pretty good. Uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say the Superman punch as well. All right, one or two here from uh, Twitter. Uh, Mr. Podge, friend of the podcast. Pettis, Masvidal, RDA, Cowboy, Lee, Ben Henderson. Is lightweight to welterweight the easiest move in MMA? It's um, lightweight, so it's 155 to 170. You think the 15-pound move wouldn't be as easy as other 10-pound moves and stuff like that, but a lot of guys are, are doing... I think well. 155 is just so stacked. Yeah. Like, it has... So many talented, brilliant guys that these guys are coming up. Welterweight isn't exactly terrible, but it's it's not the same as as uh, lightweight in terms of upper echelon talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think that's probably more because it is a, fi- a fifteen pound is a big is a big difference, a huge yeah. difference. Like it, it seems to happen an awful lot. You know, myself and Zayn on the state of the UFC were talking about lads moving from middleweight to to light heavyweight, and you know, look at all those guys, the Thiago Santos and the. Um, Anthony Smith's, you know, getting towards title contention in like two fights. It's just because it's maybe easier in some divisions to get up there as well. Now, welterweight's a very, very good division as well. But lightweight, as you say, is just so stacked that, you know, the number 15 lightweight in the world is still a really, really great fighter. So 100%. Um, uh, how do you say this? Alan Tini Hartigintano. Uh, and Keen Donnelly asks, what's next for Underboy? Yeah, we, we middleweight, I think. Uh, Scrubius Pip. Friend of the podcast, legend, asks, are you okay? I'm okay. I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm a bit sick here and stuff, but there you go. And last question here from Nick. Oh, here we go with the man flu moaning again. Uh, Gregor, I'm a bit sick. Gregor Gillespie versus Pettis. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't think of a worse fight than Gregor Gillespie versus Pettis. What do you think? It would be good for a good chance for Gregor Gillespie, but I don't know what's really in it for Pettis. Um, yeah. I think Pettis, he should just kind of go between welterweight and, and lightweight until okay maybe once he gets to the he's talking about he better be ranked and all this stuff and he wants to fight guys ahead of him in the rankings but there's some nice matchups for him outside of the the kind of really really top wrestlers in the in the division that i'd like to see and they're fresh matchups and he's getting older as well he's not as old as as, as uh, a lot of guys in the ufc but cutting that weight does does uh does get harder as you get older fighters will tell you so uh so it's worked for Cerrone kind of jumping between both and just kind of taking nice matchups for himself exciting matchups so I think Pettis probably should should do the same yeah 
I agree. He, totally. he doesn't sound like he's like, oh, I need to get the title back. He's not really making them noises. So I think that's the best, that's the best option for him. Yeah, and I'll talk more about it in the Q&A as well. But I think that's an interesting point that people need to start looking at. Where I remember last night I was I mentioned McGregor versus Pettis and go, oh, what does that do for him? I was like, what does it do for him? It's a fun fight. Both of them are going to earn money. And I don't think any Shit of them... load of money, yeah. <laughs> are they that concerned? A chance, a chance to have the biggest kind of win of your career even though even though he's been a champion in the UFC probably if if he was to go out and beat McGregor the one that he'd be talking about when he's to his grandkids or whatever as they talk about or people be talking to him about for the rest of his life would be that yeah, but I think, like, so it's a big chance for him there at a certain point fighters transition from oh I'm running I want to get this title I want a non-stop fight for the title and then okay McGregor might be still in that because he's still talking about Habib but I think that's just more Habib or, you know if it's if Eddie Alvarez had beat him or whatever I don't think it'd be as, as big in his mind or well maybe not Eddie Alvarez but you know Tony Ferguson or whatever now um you know, Anderson Silva did it, GSP kind of did it, although GSP came back and he fought for a title, but, you know, he was wanting to fight Habib and all. There's a kind of a transition over between fighting for the title, racing to get up there, trying to be a contender, and then going and having the kind of maybe the last seven or eight fights of your career, having fun, big fights. Uh, and I think, you know, Pettis is, is there at the moment, and I think he's kind of realised that, and he's, he you know, he's kind of, uh, he's loving it, and I, McGregor's probably there as well. So, you know, I, I think that's a reason to do it for those guys, and for us, it's just a fun fight. Like these guys, obviously, if, if, if a fight fell apart and they were they were in shape, they'd obviously jump in and ah, take a title fight. Yeah. Like, if it was ah, come up, but, like, it's not like, you know, it's not to be the same obsession that it used to be before they got there, before, when they, before they ever had a, like, they were out there to prove themselves. Like, you know, they were out there, to prove everybody wrong because I'm sure like you know when these guys started in MMA people were telling them like what the fuck are you doing like you're, you're throwing your life away get a job do this mm-hmm. do that and it's kind of like uh, they're trying to prove everybody wrong and they're trying to prove themselves right and all their hard work and all that stuff and then when you get there and you've already you kind of you've done it all then it, it changes for a lot of people yeah stick to the plumbing McGregor should have stuck to the plumbing wherever he be now he could be you know work on a building site and fucking for man or something for sure Look, these things happen in MMA. Uh, all right, everybody. That sounds appealing. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like great crack. So what would life be without getting up at fucking 6 o'clock in the morning to go plumbing? Although there's probably lads getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go plumbing and listen to this podcast. And we really appreciate you. We love you. Uh, help me out here. My plumbing's pretty bad in the house, so I need to get it fixed. But anyway. Um, yeah, right, probably tell you to Dublin. Come here and say and have me every free. Uh, I don't know when the podcast will be next week, actually, because if Limerick are in the league final after beating Dublin, I think that might be on Sunday. So the podcast might be Monday next week, but I don't know. We'll see anyway. Should these things happen? These things. I'm I'm too sick and tired here to finish the podcast. Do you want to just finish it for me there, Graham? Tell us what to do. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. Go over to patreon.com uh, forward slash severemma podcast or severemma.com forward slash points, P-I-N-T-S, and uh, give us your money. Yeah, give us your money. That's, <laughs> that's what we want. That's all we want is your money. All right, let's end it in the uh, inspirational quote. Oh, oh, there's a dog barking in the background. Yeah. <laughs> What's the dog? Is that? Uh, that's a new dog, is it? It's a new new, uh, new dog, Vinny. Vinny. Making oh, himself Vinny. heard at the end of the podcast. Legend. God bless him. All right, here's the inspirational quote of the week. Life may not be the party we hope for, but while we're here, we should dance. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday or possibly Sunday.